everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Her Story. This is your host, Cassidy Reed, and today I'm talking with Dr. Carrie Blosser. Carrie is a U.S. Navy trumpet player, and talk about her experiences in the U.S. Navy and being a military musician. We also talk about gender equity and all the things that have to do with playing in the military and being a woman. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like and share with your friends, and I will see you next week. Thanks. I'm Dr. Carrie Blosser, and I am currently uh, a Navy musician stationed in Great Lakes, Illinois. Um, I'm originally from Edders, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Beautiful. I love how you said doctor at the beginning. I love that. My first question for you is, what got you started in music in the first place? What piqued your interest? I remember going to a instrument uh, kind of petting zoo at my elementary school. Uh, Pennsylvania starts, that at that time, they started instruments pretty young. So I was in fourth grade and I walked to school and my mom very much wanted me to have a small instrument. So I went and she told me to play the flute and I took the flute home and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I returned it uh, and then the next year I went to the same instrument demo and saw this beautiful brass trumpet and I love the way it sounded and that was in fifth grade and I'm much older than that now so I've been playing <laughs> haven't put it down since then. Yeah that's super funny that you started on flute that's hilarious. <laughs> I think my parents kind of sought the benefit of the fact that the trumpet was pretty inexpensive compared to some other instruments. That's why they were super happy when I picked trumpet. They were like, oh, yes, this will be great. We can afford this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Unlike flute. Flute tends to be a little bit more expensive. But yeah, that's so funny. That's super cute. All right. So what were your experiences like playing as a female trumpet player in your, you know, middle school, high school band? What were those experiences like for you growing up? I was definitely one of the only gals in the section for most of the time. Mm -hmm. I, I remember getting braces as soon as I hit middle school and then I just really had a hard time like physically playing like so painful and just like a bad experience. So soon after that, I started taking private lessons and that for my school kind of was the key to unlocking like the higher parts and the solos. So I definitely, I started taking private lessons probably seventh or eighth grade and then took them through um, high school. I was definitely one of the only, mm -hmm. was, typically there was at least one or two others, sometimes more in my middle school and high school section. Were you as a kid hyper aware of the fact that, you know, you were an only, or was that something you were just kind of like, oh, this is just what it is and I'm going to keep moving forward through it? Yeah, it was definitely... It, it was what it was. And I think um, I, I'm an only child. So in my development, there wasn't a ton of like kids my own age. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of pretty independent, like as a kid, like playing and doing stuff. And I, I feel like I 
equally did things. My, my father's a mechanic. So I was like out getting greasy and like doing all sorts of crazy stuff with him and taking mm -hmm. engines out of cars. <laughs> and then my mom uh, was a nurse. So I would spend time with her, you know, writing and reading and doing crossword puzzles. And so I, I kind of had a, a good balance of, of, of different things as I was kind of growing up and that independence, I think I didn't really necessarily see like that there weren't more gals than guys in the trumpet sections that I was in or even in the band per se. Yeah. And so you obviously went on, you studied music education first, and then you went into trumpet performance and music ed for your master's. Correct. And then you got your doctorate in brass performance and pedagogy from UC Boulder, which I love that trajectory because it's very similar to the trajectory that I'm on. <laughs> and I find that really funny. Like I got my undergrad in music ed and right now I'm getting my master's in a performance-based sort of music ed degree. So it's a little bit of both, kind of like what you did. So I think that's really fascinating that we kind of had the same sort of path there academically. So what were your experiences like uh, at the collegiate level, both in your music ed programs and in your trumpet studios and with your teachers and those sorts of things? Yeah, my undergrad at Messiah College, there were tons of uh, gals in all of my uh, colleges through the years. So when I, I remember showing up to my undergrad and like the principal player of the orchestra and the wind ensemble was another gal. So that was super cool because I already saw like, okay, well, she's doing this. I could totally do this. Mm -hmm. um, that's like almost like uh, she kind of kind of set the bar and it didn't really, you know, like matter who that person was, but it was really cool to like, you know, my first experience, you know, playing with a really good wind ensemble was like, okay, that's the principal player. Okay, great. Let's go try and be like her. So that was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Great uh, mentorship through that for sure. And then at Northern Colorado, I started off as just um, performance for my master's, but I just really love taking classes and learning new things. And I accrued so many extra credits in my master's mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that I just had, I, I added on music education while I was there just because I, was interested in it and I kind of had already taken a lot of classes so it wasn't it was like one extra year so it was a, I was there three total years. Gotcha. It was such a fun experience because I learned so much stuff. Yeah that's great and then you before we started recording we had talked about the fact that you were a middle school and a high school band director first. That was kind of your first career path. So can you talk a little bit about your experiences being a, a female band director at, as well as a female trumpet primary in your band director position? Yeah, I taught at a small school northeast of Dallas, in, so in Texas, um, called Cooper. And they were a smaller school, so I think they were 2A, but really competitive with marching band, and with like solo and ensemble and kind of the, the all state bands. So that was a, a super competitive thing to walk into, which was great because I actually have, I was in drum and bugle corps for three years with mm -hmm. the Crossman. So I had tons of experience and my really my first like teaching chops came from uh, working with marching bands, even when I was in my undergrad. So that kind of that music education and the explaining and the, you know, 
both with music and with marching. I kind of already like got bitten by the bug of that. So that was great to walk into that program in Texas because I already had been performing and teaching at a pretty high competition level. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I was the only like gal that they ever had as a band director there mm-hmm. or at least had been for like 10 years prior so I ran the program and I was my I was the music program at the high school and the middle school and the only option there was um, band for for music there wasn't a choir and there wasn't an orchestra so mm-hmm. the only musical outlet was was band so so it was you it was yeah. all you <laughs> all me. which is which is awesome like I loved being it was kind of like a double-edged sword where like I was the program and I got to push the program where I wanted it to be. But then also I was pulling the program like, like a big freight train behind me trying to get in the direction that I thought would really benefit the students and, you know, support the community and music, like how I was going to musically educate these kids and only from kind of that one side of music, which was just band. Yeah, I completely understand that. The school that I work at, I work in a 612 building and I teach 7 through 12 bands. So I have the vast majority of the kids for band. So I completely understand the you being the program type of feel. I mean, we have a choir and an orchestra as well. So there are those kids over there. So I'm not completely in your your zone where it's just me, but I do I do have like a vast majority of kids in all different grade levels so it, there it is a double-edged sword like there's the positive of I'm able to kind of be in control of what happens with my program and I'm able to make those executive decisions and do what I think is best for my kids and then the other part is there's just not really as much camaraderie or you know communication of other people to kind of rely on to you know, people that have been there longer or things like that to like communicate with, like, how were things done? How does this work? Like that sort of thing. So it was kind of um, a little struggle for me in my first year, just trying to like figure out how everything works when you have such a big group of kids that you're working with. I was really fortunate in Texas that they didn't have an assistant director, even though they probably could have in maybe a few years if I'd stayed in Texas and continued to build the program, but they had a really healthy budget. So, mm. And uh, Texas A&M had a satellite campus, Texas A&M Commerce, that was like 20 minutes down the road, which is super fortunate when you're in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And yeah. the program there is very healthy and had a lot of you know, music education undergrad students. So I was able to work with between my band boosters and with my like kind of the budget that I had to bring in consultants. This was a a title one, I use air quotes, lower income school. um, Yeah, that's my district as well. Yep. um, Between the band boosters and the kind of the budget that the school district had given me, I was able to get students from A&M Commerce to come in and do essentially free lessons for the students if they would just come. So we were able to start a really healthy private uh, lesson program after school. That's so nice. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of implement a similar thing because my school is about 15 or so minutes away from Eastman School of Music, and they have a very huge community music school, and I'm trying to figure out ways to get, you know, some of the current music ed majors into the schools in Greece and work with the kids in that capacity as well, because I think that's such a valuable thing 
to bring current college students like on their primary instrument in to help with the kids and then they're getting teaching experience in the end and hopefully after COVID is over I'm able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's such an important thing test out all of these ideas that you're being presented you know in your school or if you've had a really strong maybe high school middle school band program you can kind of hear the voices of those teachers and mm -hmm. like not that you're re exactly replicating what they've taught you but you're you you know your students and you know this musical knowledge and then trying to like communicate that well and getting them to the point that you want it's so important to practice that before you know I always like to practice stuff before I get paid for it. You know, we play yeah. our instrument for how many years and practice and then we get paid to do it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, just testing out those educational ideas are super important because you're like, you can craft the most perfect lesson plan and all this kind of stuff. And then you get like one kid that like, you know, <laughs> like has an accident and you're totally derailed or, you know, just music education and education in general is just like this crazy world. So the more experience that you have, the more like seasoned you are, I think just the better teacher you become in the long run. Yeah, I completely agree. My next question for you is what made you pursue a doctorate? Because you got your doctorate in brass performance and pedagogy. So what made you kind of turn the corner and say, you know what, I want to go get my doctorate? For some reason, as soon as I started my undergrad, I knew that I wanted to go just do it all. Like have mm -hmm. all the, my teacher in my undergrad, uh, Bill Stoneman, he had a DMA from North Texas, um, had some really great connections in the area. So even though it was a really small, like liberal arts college, I felt like we got, had such a, a good glimpse of the pipeline of like, if I were to become a college teacher, I love teaching. So I was like, oh, well, this looks like a great, scenario um, you know teaching future educators I want to do that so that was kind of yeah. like why I wanted to do my doctorate but I also just every degree level I received like between like my bachelor's and then my master's I knew that I was I was becoming such a better musician and that mm -hmm. directly impacts the education I can give to my students so I wanted to no matter what I ended up teaching, I wanted to make sure that I was kind of always pushing my musical boundaries and my trumpet performance and, you know, conducting, you know, just my general music education. I wanted to be like as good as I could be. And I knew like you never get as good as you can be. You're always pushing. So the doctorate made a ton of sense for me. Yeah. Um, I, I did my master's in Northern Colorado, which is in Greeley. So pretty far away from the mountains but I definitely really fell in love with Colorado when I was there the first time. So <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to go back. So in Colorado, the, there are only two schools that offered a DMA and that was CU Boulder, University of Colorado Boulder and University of Northern Colorado, which I'd already done my master's there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted a different school and a different experience. So that's kind of helped me pick which one I was really focusing on. So that's great. Yeah. I feel like you and I are very similar in our, thoughts about pursuing degrees in education and trying to better yourselves as musicians. Like I completely agree with everything that you just said. And I was sitting there like, wow, these are my thoughts all the time in my head. And she's just speaking them out into existence. It's so funny. I love it. What I find really fascinating about you, and I was, you know, kind of stalking your Facebook and other things so I get to know you a little bit better for this interview, but what I find really fascinating about you is you were a band director for a few years, and then you went and you got your doctorate, and then you turned this corner and you joined the military, and now you're a military musician, you're a trumpet player in the military, and so what 
cause you to like make that decision to, you know, turn that corner and pursue being a military musician? I think I took my very first, actually it was the Navy band, which is funny because I'm in the Navy now. My very first DC band audition was the Navy band in, in Washington, DC. So I, and that was in like 2002. So again, dating myself a little bit here. I've been auditioning for the military since I like knew that the military had bands. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd gone to, uh, when the national trumpet competition was uh, being held at uh, George Mason, it's only a few hours drive from my, my undergrad from Messiah. So I went there and I'm, I remember watching one of the bands, I think it was the Marine band, like Phil Smith was playing and Al Vizzuti and there was like a mil this giant military band behind them. And it just like, the my memory of it is just like sparkly. Like it was just like the most amazing like musical experience, just listening to like those like giants of, of trumpet playing and this like amazing band, like the best band I'd ever heard. And I was like, I would love to do that someday. So it kind of was always, always on the back burner too. And I, when I finished my doctorate, I was oh, 34, 33. 34. Yes, 34. So when I finished my doctorate at that time for the Navy, you could turn 35 in boot camp. So if I ever wanted to join the military and be in the military band, it had to be. The time was now. The yeah. time was now. Since then, they've changed those, um, those dates, like the amount, like how old you can be when you go to boot camp. And it does base service by service. Um, each branch of the military, it can change at any time. And it did change after I had already joined. But so when I was finishing my doctorate, I had taken another Navy, like premier band, Navy band audition. And I didn't get the premier band job but I learned about the Navy Fleet Band Program, which they're regional bands that support military functions. So I took an audition for them and I got in, I won a job. So I finished my DMA. I taught my studio in, in the Boulder area for six more months and then I went to boot camp. How was the boot camp experience for you? I was definitely the one of the oldest people in the in my division or my group that went through. So I was just really tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our Navy basic training is in Great Lakes, Illinois, which is where I've actually just moved to because I'm joining the band that's associated with uh, the recruit training command. So Navy band Great Lakes is my current station. So I, we were, I was, I literally graduated boot camp three years ago, like right now. It's interesting to be back here for sure. I saw like, I drove onto the base to check in and I saw the, the recruits doing their, like holding the flags and marching around on the base and was happy to be in my car and then drive away. Yeah, I got the flashbacks going. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boot, Navy boot camp is, I think all of the, the military, like the, the boot camps or um, you know, the training, every branch has a different name for them. They're, they're definitely very mentally taxing and physically exhausting. And again, like being at the max age, I was definitely pretty tired all the time. Like you just don't get to sleep when you want to sleep. You sleep when they tell you. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I'm trying to think of good ways to describe it, but I think I was just very tired and really <laughs> ready to sleep most of the time. So it's okay. You survived it. That's what I I did. I can do a lot of push-ups now. My last there like, you go. readiness test, I did like 42, which I couldn't. Oh, you go, girl. 
I couldn't do any when I joined or like I could do like five, but again, being older, your requirement are kind of, kind of smaller. So Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So you're talking a little bit about boot camp and everything. And I feel like a lot of conservatories or music schools or even just a music school within the university and things like that, they really push the idea of the symphony orchestra or wind ensembles and that sort of thing. And I feel like a lot of students that are in college or are thinking about pursuing music and a professional level aren't really considering military bands at first. So what information can you provide to someone who may be considering um, auditioning for a military band? For me, definitely, um, and as I mentioned before, each branch is a little bit different. So, and each branch has kind of like a, a musical recruiter. So mm-hmm. I would definitely say like, if you're interested in, in joining, there's like a few different levels of, of the bands. So like there are like fleet bands, which are what I'm in. I'm in the Navy fleet band program. So I was just stationed in, at Fleet Forces, which is in Norfolk, Virginia. And then about every three years you move. So I just moved to, to Great Lakes. One of the most attractive things when I was joining the military was number one, I wouldn't have been able to do it a year later. So I was definitely really, um, I wanted to, to try it because I, I hate leaving opportunities that I thought about doing and then just didn't act on. So the, the limiting factor for my Navy band was the age. So that's why I joined when I did. But I also was looking at the other branches of service. So each, each branch has like their own bands and they have their own musical recruiters. But at the time when I was looking, the Navy was offering up to $65,000 of loan repayment. Mm. So, and I did do my doctorate. So I did rack up quite a lot of student loan debt. Like That'll do it. Yeah, more than that 65,000, but when I was in Boulder, I ran a really huge studio and just, I was like really into budgeting. <laughs> so I, I was using my like budgeting, like software and really focusing and planning and paying down my loans. And I kind of got to that magic number and all I really had left was that 65,000. So part of the very attractiveness of the military too, was just that, that debt repayment. So there are tons of opportunities in military music in all these different branches and there's different levels. So fleet bands or premier bands. And I can't speak to the other services. I can only really talk about the Navy because that's what I've you know experienced. I mean, they're full-time jobs and I like, I kind of feel a little bad right now because it's like coronavirus time. And I see so many of my friends, like they're trying, they're struggling to like, you know, keep their online studios going and, you know, all of their gigs for the next year have been canceled, just their primary source of income. Yeah. And right now I just am getting my normal steady paycheck. I have really great health benefits and the Navy's going to pay off the rest of my student loans. So I'm struggling a little bit with some like, you know, some guilt because I, you know, I try and support my fellow musicians the best I can, but I'm also, you know, technically in the same boat, but yeah, I'm getting a very, very steady paycheck. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. I'm getting a steady paycheck too. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, I mean, I think especially to, um, not to, not to generalize the military, but especially people with families. I think this is such a great career option because not only is the healthcare and the ben- the benefits really great for you as a person, but like, you know, if you have, you know, spouse, children, this is a, like, 
the health insurance benefits that come along with it are, are really high. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. And they're very, especially in my experience with the bands I've been in, like they're very supportive and very helpful with families and childcare and, and whatnot. I, I don't have kids, but um, with my colleagues, I've seen that for sure. So, yeah. One of the, I feel like the biggest issues when it comes to military bands and gender is that oftentimes, especially with trumpet, female trumpet players in military groups are very, 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 very outnumbered, even more so than some other ensembles that we see professionally. So how has the experience been for you? Have you been pretty much the only in your, the ensembles that you've played in or something else? Yes, I was the only female brass player brass player in the Fleet Forces band for wow. two and a half years that I was there. There was a French hornist, but um, she was moved to Italy, to one of our other bands there. So yeah, we we would go on tour and I think very much so I've, I, I found my, like, I found my people, you know, you find your pack when you're, uh, <laughs> when you're playing with large groups. Yeah. So definitely had, in the woodwind section, there are a couple gals there that I'm really good friends with that I met through the, the program, through the being stationed at Fleet Forces Band. But in the brass section, I was the only woman. Mm-hmm. And then I played, my band would breaks off very much into a lot of smaller groups, woodwind quintet, jazz combos, New Orleans style brass band. And then I was in the brass quintet for my entire time there, plus playing in ceremonies and wind ensemble. But the brass quintet definitely traveled a good bit. And I was the only gal, which meant I, when we stayed in hotels, like I was always by myself. So yeah, I, there is definitely an isolationness to that, but I'm a pretty outgoing person. And fortunately in my group, there were a few, like we, we change personnel quite regularly, um, mm-hmm. just not women because there weren't other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but between the different iterations of the brass quintet I was in, there would be people that I would just, you know, I would definitely be really act like proactive of making sure that I'd be like, Hey, what do you guys want to do for dinner? Or, Hey, I found this cool spot. You guys want to go check it out. So I was definitely really like advocating for myself to kind of have some people time <laughs> or strategically. I remember talking to some other women in the, in the Navy band, the fleet bands, and they would be like, yeah, you know, like I would always try and create these plans. So I wasn't alone. And I was like, oh yeah, I totally, I just try and drive all the time. So I've got keys to our government van. So if anyone needs to go somewhere, they have to kind of invite me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Keys to the wheels, always helpful. But I definitely feel like being maybe the only gal in the section or the only gal going on tours and, you know, kind of being on my own a good bit. I, I very much learned to advocate for myself. So if I heard something that maybe was like a little weird or you when you're around someone all the time, different than, than like in a, in a professional orchestra or, you know, a professional group where you, you show up there, you do your job and then you go home. The military bands, you're definitely around people a lot more. And like when you're traveling on the road, like you're with each other, like, you know, 18 hours out of the day or something like that. The, a professional boundary and a personal boundary really get pretty close. So I definitely had to really, I learned to really advocate for things that, you know, again, the only gal with a bunch of dudes, sometimes like maybe the banter <laughs> would get a little close to something that I wasn't really comfortable with. And I would just be like, Hey guys, um, can we maybe like, you know, change the subject or like, maybe hey, not. <laughs> like, can we like, that doesn't make me super comfortable. Can we like do something different or, you know, and, and they were very receptive to that, but it's taken me, I don't know that anytime 
in my like career, like I've been a professional for a long time, but I, I never feel felt quite as comfortable saying that as I do now. So, yeah. and it's so important because they're like, oh, crap, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Or like, yeah, absolutely. And I never really got any weird rub back from them. So mm-hmm. just being able to, for me to communicate well, like what my personal boundaries were and what made me feel uncomfortable, that definitely has been like the biggest thing that I've learned, I feel like in the military band so far is, you know, speaking up for yourself, saying what your comfort zone is and yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel, we talked a little bit about the banter and everything, but did you ever feel ostracized for identifying as female or did you ever experience any sort of microaggressions or anything like that, either playing in the large ensembles or in the quintet? I remember we played in the quintet at a ceremony and I was kind of like halfway hidden behind like a flag or something. And the person, you know, like retiring was like, and thanks to the Navy band, you guys really sound super great. And I like peered my head around the flag and then like the audience was like, oh, like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> it was really funny. Oh at the time. But you, I think it was just like a literally, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't see me, but we, we do some, we do these Navy, like we do fleet weeks and Navy weeks where we go into communities where you wouldn't necessarily see the military. And especially if it's in the summer, an optional uniform item for me is a skirt. And I'm not like a big dress skirt person per se. Like I love wearing like fancy outfits for performing and um, like solo recitals and that sort of stuff. But I definitely started wearing the skirt with the military because I felt like you just don't see very many women and you don't see very many women trumpet players. And especially if you're going to go out into areas where you just don't see the military in general. So I remember being in Cleveland and some gentleman uh, walked up to me, we're playing in like the Cleveland clinic and doing a concert. And some gentleman walked up to me and said, when did women be, when were they allowed to join the military? And I'm like, oh my God, seriously. Why? <laughs> like <laughs> women have been serving since World War One. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Reserves to active and then active and then released. But you know, like women haven't been able to continually serve um, in full-time service um, until after, you know, World War II. But um, it was, yeah, I just remember I was like, at the time, it probably wasn't 2020 then, but because we're not traveling in 2020, but <laughs> it was probably like 2018 or 2019. And I was just, I was so shocked. So I kind of maybe like take up, like, you know, take up the, the skirt, maybe a little more um, personally, because I, I want to make sure that like women are seen and Denise picking yeah. out in a crowd is for me to wear that optional item. So yeah. I'm pretty, I, I'm very vocal about it is an optional uniform item. And again, in the military, we have to follow the orders of our like commanding officers. And if they are like, no, we want everyone to look the same, then I have to wear my normal uh, pants. But mm-hmm. uh, I definitely try to advocate for the, you know, it's great to show the diversity of the group. It's great to show. So. Yeah. And you're making a statement by wearing that. Yeah. yeah that's so crazy. This is what our women are allowed to be in the military. Um, World War II ended in like the forties, dude yeah yeah it's super interesting but I'm I'm always so shocked to see like I'm a part of a bunch of different like on Facebook um a bunch of different like you know women in the military groups and there's still so many firsts like first like the highest rank is an E9 um and in the Coast Guard this gal just put on like just made that rank a master chief 
but she's the first woman in her rating, which is like a gunner's mate or something like that. She's the first woman to make that rank in her rate. So E9, gunner's, gunner's mate. She's like, wow. And it, it, again, it's what, what is it? It is, yeah, it's 2020 and we're still getting firsts. And that just baffles my mind. So mm-hmm. if, if anything, it just empowers me to like, wear my spirit more. <laughs> yeah. Like, Look at us. Look, we're doing these things. So, but I, I kind of get a little testy when I'm still seeing all these firsts. I'm like, why? Why is this still happening? Why are we not just an equal and diverse and, you know, military? But change happens slowly, unfortunately, but I'm trying one, one skirt of time. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Were all of your auditions for the military ensembles blind or was it more like you came in and you just played in front of whoever it was that was listening to you? Every, every premiere band audition I've taken has been blind. Every Good. orchestral, like professional orchestral audition I've taken has been blind. College stuff is, was hit or miss. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, fl- my, the, the, the job I'm currently in, it was not a blind audition, mm-hmm. but I auditioned for this band. Like I did my audition four or five years ago, four years ago. So the process has changed since then. Um, I, I believe the fleet bands now are blind auditions. Um, okay. Or they were in this past year. There's a French horn audition coming up that I saw for the Navy fleet bands. And it's actually going to be like a, a virtual audition. So mm. that will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the thing with like the military, even though we're during coronavirus, there's still um, like the basic training is still happening for the Navy. Yeah. And that like, we still have people that are, you know, retiring from military service as musicians or separating to, perf- you know, to go to different careers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the French horn opening is one of the guys I was working with at Fleet Forces who, um, I think he served for 10 years and now is going to become like a, a computer science guy. Cool. So I guess the biggest issue, obviously, when you're talking about how you're, you're very outnumbered, you were like the only female brass player in the entire ensemble. Um, so how do you think we can encourage more women to join military ensembles? I think definitely, I, I didn't even know about the fleet bands until my, like my last premiere band audition. So I think just like the more, not just the fleet bands are like promoting themselves, but also like the more universities and the more people that know about these opportunities. I think it's, it's a really great thing. Um, yeah. Not everyone can join the military. Like if you have their specific, like um, medical conditions and and different things that like it, it's just that it's you have to make it through a, a series of some tests so I think pushing mm-hmm. everyone towards military bands isn't the right thing to do because this is not a life that everyone wants or yeah of course or are physically capable of like from a medical stand standpoint just you know it is still the military <laughs> so there are you know yeah. some requirements of stuff but yeah I think the more not the military bands can can reach out to universities the more universities are like you know teachers that are looking for jobs for students you know there's still a lot of people who don't even know that the military has a band exactly yeah one of 11 navy bands you know like (laughs) yeah the the more we're looking but i think between like especially i I, i'm a trumpet player so trumpet centric like i'm seeing on like 
the um, International Trumpet Guild website, I'm seeing the posts for jobs. You know, I'm seeing other military musicians like sharing job posts too. So I think social media and the websites and resources are going to be really helpful going forward. So yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so I couldn't be in the military. <laughs> so I understand what you were saying. We were like medical conditions. I was like, yep, that's me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sucks because then it limits the opportunities that someone has as a musician. But mm-hmm. it's, it's understandable, just- though. You know, you're still you still have to go through training and everything. And I'm not personally offended that I can't be in it. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think the biggest thing is just the communication piece that you were talking about, making people more aware that these opportunities are out there. And if you're a person that really enjoys wind ensemble playing and you're not a super symphony orchestra head and you're like, wow, I really like playing in band and I really like this type of music, then this is probably something that you should pursue. Yeah. And I was really surprised. So with, again, my experience at each Navy flute band is a little bit different. My experiences with Fleet Forces Band in Virginia is we very much, we really did wind ensemble like twice a year, like for the summer. We did like a tour for like a month or two. And then we did um, like kind of like holiday concerts um, over the, you know, end of December time period. But the rest of the time it was really chamber music. And for me, that's awesome. I realized just how much I love playing chamber ensembles, like brass choirs, brass quintets. You know, I had done a little bit in my, in my doctorate, I'd worked, you know, w- with some of the other DMA conductors and done like Stravinsky Octet and, um, you know, pieces like that, which was really fun. But I, yeah. I kind of like kind of re-fell in love with brass quintet music because um, I played it every day for many, many hours a day <laughs> um, as my job. But I, I'm, yeah, I was really quite surprised at the, the wind ensemble bit it was not quite as much as I expected, but um, yeah the the chance like now here I've never played in one but I'm going to be playing in a New Orleans style brass band so that's so cool you know I've you know I'm 37 and I've been playing you know professionally for a while and now I'm going to go into a group I've never played in before so I'm practicing and trying to get that sound and I don't have to be you know (laughs) um like a, a professional New Orleans style brass band like I don't need to sound like those guys and gals like from New Orleans, but I, you know, we reach a level of competency in, in our playing and what we can do. We know how to branch out and, and fit. So um, I think that's so cool that the ensembles that you're participating in and things are constantly changing because I think a lot of people kind of get burnt out doing the same thing for so many decades. And I think that's so cool that you were like, okay, I'm playing in this wind ensemble and now I'm doing this, these chamber groups and I'm in this brass quintet and now I'm doing this New Orleans style brass band. Like, I think that's so cool that you're able to keep yourself on your toes, constantly keep working at your instrument and developing your skills. And it's preventing you, honestly, I feel like from getting bored and doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so great. Yeah. Like when you, like, as you've gone through school and you've taken lessons, like you really learn how, how you personally learn. Like I, I know what I need to do to get to a certain level in a solo piece or developing a new style. Like you want to take lessons, you want to listen, you want to do all this stuff. So it's, it's, it's cool because like I've learned how to teach myself how to do this stuff. And now I, I'm kind of being ordered or told, like, get ready, you're going in. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Good, so. so if someone were to be interested in uh, 
participating in a military ensemble and auditioning for one, where would they go? You talked about a music recruiter. So where would they go in order to see what jobs are out there or seize any opportunities that are available? So I would definitely probably turn people towards like their specific instruments, like Guild Page, like Tubiphonium, you know, International French Horn Society, all those other instrument specific places, because I know the music recruiters are reaching out there. For the Navy, we're under Fleet Band Activities. So they've got a Facebook page. Um, Also, the Navy Band in Washington, D.C. has a Facebook page and they share all of their own personal um, auditions that are coming up and also for the fleet band because uh, we're all part of the big navy picture those would be the definitely the places I would turn you to first and then from there it kind of has specifics of like who's the the navy recruiter that's great thank you so much for that information I think just the more that we can encourage people to pursue these opportunities and not feel like this is a job for only um, one certain population Uh, is a great thing to do. And I think that's going to encourage more people that look like us to pursue those positions for sure. Yeah, this is not a job just for a bunch of straight white dudes. Like (laughs) the military, especially to like the Navy recently is like really pushing, we want a diverse Navy because I do believe this, but like we are stronger in our diversity. Like I don't just, like I want a really, great and awesome diverse group of people to work with and be colleagues we with so mm-hmm. yeah definitely I have a friend from high school she uh was in the navy for a while and now I think she's going to be an air force pilot or something like that she's like crazy I'm like ah, oh, she's gonna go in planes I'd be terrified of doing that but like kudos to her <laughs> That's awesome they're real fast like <laughs> and yeah really- she's like gonna be like a fighter pilot I'm like oh my gosh okay good luck <laughs> yeah and I would, I would just say too, these are just my personal experiences with the military. So, and military music. So I'm not, you know, we're here talking on a podcast and I'm just, you know, Carrie Blossom plays the trumpet and this is just what I've done. So nothing, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm not the blanket. This is not the blanketed statement for everyone's Navy careers. And I'm, I'm not speaking for Navy music as a whole. So just just to clarify, this is just Carrie talking about, you know, Carrie things. I think it's so great that we're talking about these things and encouraging people to pursue those opportunities. Because again, like we said before, I feel like a lot of people aren't aware that militaries even have bands and things that you can audition for and that those jobs are available. So I think it's really great that we're having that conversation and people are able to hear your voice and see you and hear you and be like, yeah, you know what? I could do that. She looks like me and I can do that as well. They're not going to be discouraged when they, you know, they think that, oh, this is just a job again, like you said, for straight white men. And it's, and it's really not right now. And it will continue to change the more that, you know, people are made aware and this is an opportunity if you're interested in something like this, for sure. Terry, thank you so much for talking with us. I really appreciated our conversation and all the stories that you had to tell. And I really think it's great that we have that representation on the show from someone who plays in a military ensemble. I think that's really awesome. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. This is fun. (laughs) 